Hello and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast, episode 80. My name's Brian and joining me is, as always, Chris, my illustrious co-host and co-captain here over at Work to Game. Guys, this is an MP3 podcast, also a video podcast. You can join in live on Twitch, YouTube, and uh, also now uh, pretty much wherever podcasts are found. Uh, feel free to listen in on your Samsung fridge. Uh, you can subscribe and they, these podcasts are brought to you day and date via the generous donations of you guys, Luke. Uh, contributed a full year's worth of support for the podcast. So thank you, Luke, for your support. And thank you, everybody, uh, so much for just kind of hanging out with us. Uh, as today, we're going to be diving into the world of Final Fantasy XIV, the state of the game, if you will. Uh, Chris streams this Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., with Fridays typically focusing in on actually Guild Wars, two incredible MMORPGs. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. A surge in MMORPGs. So much so... Some players are concerned. Chris, do we want to dive into the first topic or do you want to just kind of give everybody a rundown of what you've been working on in game? No, I think that's exciting. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just churning through content. I'm just trying to broaden my horizons, get to all the things that uh, I always say I'm interested in those and I just don't have the time. Uh, it's, it's much easier now that I have more time to play to get through not only the stuff that I normally do, uh, but get through a whole lot more. So the first topic here is... Uh, is talking about new players, right? What happens with Final Fantasy XIV being at record popularity levels, um, which, you know, it's not uncommon to see them set and break previous records. Uh, Shadowbringers had an incredible interest going in and had developed an incredibly in large interest early on and has been popular throughout. So, like, queue times are not something that I'm, like, concerned when I see. Uh, it's something we've had throughout patch days. We've mm -hmm. had, we. I mean, gosh, logging in, we've even seen them go as far as to start turning on AFK timers and things, uh, which they are not currently on. And so we've right. seen them when those start to get large in the past. So it could be worse. I will say that disproportionately right now, because our top end scene might be at a point where if you're done with relics, if you don't have any other boss fights that you want to work on, this might be a time that for veteran players is a really great time to take a break, knowing full well that no matter what other game you're going to go play in the meantime, you are absolutely coming back November 19th, no matter what. Right. doesn't matter if that other game is the greatest game of all time. It's not better than Endwalker. Uh, and so <laughs> you'll be back. And so those people are away. Early review that means copies are in from that Chris. Right now, it's a lot of sprouts. And so Limsa, Ulda, uh, Gridania, these places are like, I'm, I don't know about you, but like I'm, I'm running into lag in them. Um, I'm running into frame stutter. Uh, I'm running into kind of things appearing in weird orders where you get to actually see what the draw order is when you bring up the screen, as opposed to usually that's so fast, your computer and the server just handles it faster than your eye can kind of detect it. So, it, yeah. oh, it's all there. Um, no, I'm seeing what order things render in because uh, it's playing out in real time. Uh, I'm fine if I go to like the first. I'm fine if I'm out in Stormblood content. Yeah, it's it's So I know it's not me. It's specifically these early capital cities. So let's break down the uh, the discussion post here. There's some questions and even below it, a couple of interesting points that we want to highlight. Um, but it starts with wanted to get a little bit more focused discussion on the momentum occasion, this momentous occasion. While there are no lucky Boncho numbers, several other indicators point that Final Fantasy 14 is having a bigger active player base than ever before, even while in a pre-expansion content dip. And so kind of on that subject, if you guys aren't really aware in terms of flow, because you're new, welcome to Final Fantasy 14. We're so glad you're here. Uh, typically, like this is the time where 
uh, players who maybe played through the previous expansion story, they'll take a break usually around like the 0.1 patch, which happens a couple of months after the expansion drops, and they typically come back around this time. So seeing a surge during this 5.5, you know, uh, to the, the expansion isn't atypical. What is atypical is that it's not just a surge in players who are coming back for prepping for Endwalker, who took, uh, you know, a couple expand uh, patches off, or, but we're seeing, I'm seeing 1.0 players coming back. I'm seeing players who haven't played since 2.0 coming back. I'm yep. seeing on the top, the largest streams, you know, outside of Asmund, because I think Final Fantasy 14 is literally just crushing uh, over on Twitch right now. But outside of just one guy, it's not just one guy. We got Co Carnage. We've got so many others that even the what you would consider like the the most popular group of streamers literally are talking about what is going on. MMORPGs are like a are surging, but Final Fantasy is like leading this pack. Players are hungry for an amazing game, and that's what Final Fantasy has been. Everybody's like Final Fantasy didn't do anything different. It's been crushing this whole time. Everybody just hasn't, in my mind, been uh, playing a host attention. Anyway, that's a, I'm gonna let Chris weigh in because that's we, we've only made it for the first like sentence on this on this uh, article. So I, I think the natural tendency here is, um, so like you know, Brian is the optimistic one here, and, <laughs> and so fall. when I look at when I look at society and we look at just human nature and you take a history class and you view it as a story being told, um, when people when there's times of plenty. Everybody's in a good mood. It's not hard for a game to be good when it's good. It's not hard for people to be friends when everybody's happy and there's plenty to go around. When you see people's underlying, the parts of themselves that maybe they want to work on, the parts of themselves maybe they're not proud of, when you see the mm -hmm, parts of yeah. humanity that we don't brag about, um, it's typically in times of scarcity, when there's a lack of resources. And so in the gaming world, when you start to see them not able to distribute complete editions, and so you have a friend coming into the game and they literally are saying, hey, we're not distributing codes right now, not because we can't spin up an infinite number of codes, but because we can't promise the service that those codes imply. And so um, when you start to see people getting wait times, when you start to see people, uh, certain servers kind of bogging down and certain market board behaviors being atypical, and you feel like your way of life is under attack by this change, by this delta, it's easy to want to seek out something to blame, something to hate, something to be frustrated at. And so I, I don't think this one is written that way. Um, but I have seen a lot of frustrations. And so it's why I'm really hesitant to kind of fall into that, like Twitter, let's get it down to 144 characters. Like, oh, Asmongold caused this by himself. No, he's had right. probably at this point, millions and millions of people stop by a stream. But many of those people were already 14 players. Many of those people still aren't going to play 14. If they are, they're not, it's, they're not, it's not like, well, we uh, actually found Asmongold in your browser history. You have to play on Cactar now. Like that's, I'm sorry. Like we tried to log you in. We wanted to put you on a recommended server. I, you live in the EU. I wanted to get you on an EU server. I just, unfortunately, because you've watched one minute of Asmongold, you have to go to Cactar now. Like that's not the case. And it's not just him. Uh, we've had enormous impacts. I think Zeppelin has had a huge impact on new players. Uh, yes. The marketing campaigns, the Fat Black Chocobo campaign, the the come back and log in for free campaign, all these returners coming back and getting free hours between now and August 23rd or whenever it is. Um, the the All the advertisements, FanFest, 14-hour live streams, um, 
you know, tons and tons of YouTube views, being on top of the Twitch directory, word of mouth. People are just excited to talk about this game right now. Yeah. And so, you know, my sister is going to try out the free trial. She downloaded the free trial yesterday for the very first time. Critically acclaimed free trial. My sister has known I've been playing this got game her. since I got here. And, and that's not, <laughs> that's not, she doesn't know who Asmongold is. Right. And so like, it's not any one thing. So like at the front of this, the pessimistic side of me being afraid that where there's smoke, there might be fire, where there's this growth to the point that people are concerned about it. There might be a seed that could turn into whose fault is this? Um, I want to make it incredibly clear. It's nobody's fault. The game is really good. And the fact that you like it means other people like it too. Um, maybe for different reasons. And that's, that's a good thing. Q yeah. times on a Monday morning is a good thing. You don't want to have your favorite restaurant, never have a wait. Uh, it's really nice for you right up until they close. I've got some breaking news. Interestingly enough, Asman just tweeted out that his mother is starting to play the critically acclaimed version and joining him on stream. I'm completely joking, <laughs> but you know, it is at the point where when, when, whenever things hit a critical mass is usually when my mom asked me about it. I don't know if anybody ever, uh, else experiences that. Like, you know, you get that text, like I, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about final fantasy 14. Is this really good for you, Brian? I guess like I've, I've been loving this game forever. Uh, thanks mom. Um, I'm glad that you've taken interest. She's always been interested in the stuff that I did. I think she was our first subscriber here at work to game. OG uh, final Fantasy support. All right. Continuing into the post. Some may say uh, that most of the new players are trial accounts, but the new record of players on steam, which does not include the free trial and the digital store running out both out of codes and the game indicates that a large number of these players are new subscribers. What are your guys' thoughts on this unprecedented and unexpected boost in the player population and how will it pan out? Square Enix does not have enough time, for example, to add more servers, data centers before Endwalker's launch. And I hear Yoshida's talking about Endwalker's already has over three times as many pre-orders as Shadowbringers has sold. And I, at the time of this writing, I'm, I'm betting that's going to go up more and more. What's I, your thought? I hadn't heard three times. Uh, during the 14-hour broad, broadcast, he said at this same point, with the same number of weeks to go, they're at roughly 160 to 180% um, of the previous ones. So I don't know where we got to three times. If we have, it would not shock me if we've gotten to three times in we the whopping make like 10 numbers. days since then. Uh, like, But it, it is it is rapid. Um, and that tells me like people are paying, these are paying customers. I am, when I'm running dungeons, I've been doing a ton of leveling. I'm thinking about moving to leveling kind of as, uh, all four days a week right now, uh, mm -hmm. minus my, my Wednesdays, I'd be focused on working on best in slot for crafting, but I've, I've thought about kind of dropping my tanking stuff and just doing leveling on stream because it's getting me a chance to ask a lot of questions, to answer a lot of questions, to be there and to help and to be in these sprout groups. It's really fun to go run with all these new players and be in dungeons where it's their first time. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. And as I level classes, I've never leveled before. I'm in Sestasha. I'm in Todorok. I'm in these really low level dungeons. And when you're in there, I'm checking search info on them and I'm, I'm of course seeing people that have several sixties and looks like they're on the free trial or they're they're This is their first run of that on their main. And so they're level 20 for the very first time or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also seeing a fair bit of people with a 77 or, you know, a 73, or I saw somebody the other day where they were basically 70 and everything and had, you know, that looks like a returner to me. Uh, and that tells me those are paying customers. So this is not just free trials. Um, we have seen games cap on free trials before. Eleven, I think, went through this when Ninja first picked up Eleven. Yep. Um, publicly, he's he's been a huge 
Final Fantasy fan for a long time. Uh, I think his whole life. Yeah. Uh, and so the we've seen games cap on free trials before. We've seen free trials get more limited when behavior around them starts to affect the playing base. Um, people used to be able to do PvP in free trials in 14, and people couldn't be trusted with that. So the the selling out is a good thing. The like this this is a this is a great thing. This is awesome. The fact that they can't keep up. The downside is it's happening so fast and so close to the expansion that Yoshi B said at the 14 hour broadcast that they are literally throwing millions of dollars at new server space and it will not be ready for Endwalker launch. And to people that don't deal in all of this stuff, they're like, it's not that hard. Like I set up a Squarespace thing and I just, I made it bigger right now. And so to me, who's not a programmer, um, I, I spend a lot of time around programmers, but to me just... <laughs> And Ginger and programmer adjacent, this guy right here. kind of understand why you can't just throw millions of dollars. Why why you don't just go to AWS and say, hey, Amazon, just spin up more. Like, just more. What What's the problem here? So, Mr. Riss, uh writes, I disagree that they don't have time to make new worlds per Square Enix. New data centers, though, is unlikely until 6.1. So, we know they are targeting right. the Oceanic data centers for 6.1. Regarding new worlds in that regards, there's a yeah. silicon shortage. I think essentially what in a, in a fortuitous uh, shortcoming of the moment is that it's hard to get software, uh, hardware, actually. It's more of a hardware limitation and in and, and time. But yeah. if you think about if you think about what uh, like even Phil Spencer talking about, hey, yeah, we're we're trying to make sure we're getting enough parts for Xboxes. So it's not just you're competing against like, oh, this other company wants a server, and I want a server. Okay, this is the price of the server, but everybody needs the silicon, the parts that make up these servers, and there's like this massive backlog of things that need to be made. We're even to the point of cars, right? New cars need silicon you know it's like they like all of these things they were everything's kind of backordered backlog and that's just a you know impact of the world that we're living in so i think it's just gonna be something where that's why we're seeing limitations on the key so that it, people when they use that key they can hopefully make a character and and have service as opposed to like i bought this game and it's been two months and i still can't play it i think that's the story that we don't want if oh you couldn't right. make a character day and day one Oh, but most likely the only person that's going to really kind of be frustrated is somebody who doesn't know MMOs. Well, you know, you can go log in at three in the morning. You can make your character and go from there. I'm not saying it's perfect. I am not trying to defend Square Enix in this regards. Like it is a windfall by all means. And hopefully everybody who gets a key can get a, you know, get a key if they want one and make a character and go from there. But it's a great problem to have that too many people want to come to the concert venue, but you can't just keep charging money at the door if you don't have seats like you can't just keep letting people in and be like well we took all their money they're inside now that's my that's their problem uh and like you have to make sure that everybody's gonna be able to see the service yeah. that you offer to provide now before we um, continue one second though but bring black fluffly actually is kind of pointing out something that i think is interesting for a discussion i'm sure microsoft will happily help you out with azure i'm sure google is also there and i'm sure amazon when you look at kind of the three big pillars of cloud hosting. I don't think it's a switch, right? Like let's say Square Enix signed today with Microsoft. I don't think it's like an instant switch where all of a sudden all their servers are virtualized in their in the Azure cloud. I think ultimately that's something that Microsoft would want to win the bid on, but Google and Amazon both want to win the bid on on their on their cloud hosting. But yeah, like I would say that Microsoft would be like you can have these servers, just bring it to Game Pass. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and there's 
there's there's a valid point being brought up over here by virtual that that hype is temporary. Uh, we saw this with WoW Classic. People were like, why don't they just spin up more, more worlds? When at mm -hmm. the time they did have the room to spin up more worlds. And they said, because an MMO is about interactions and our concern is what if all of these people are here to try Endwalker and a percentage of them don't like it. We look at yeah. past expansions and we say, you know, we feel we've we've done our best work and, and we feel like we've we've tried really hard in the past, but inevitably we lose a percentage of players. And when you're talking about this many active players, when you're talking about the fact that it looks like they've picked up one or even two million players this year, uh, if not more, uh, which means that the active numbers are probably really close to that because those aren't longtime players where they would fall off naturally. There hasn't been an opportunity for them to really fall to attrition. When you talk about that, you have to assume, okay, a percentage of that, even if it's a small percentage, represents a huge number of people. And so what if you spend time and money to spin up a server, you get players on that server, and then that server becomes a dead server? Um, that A dead server on an MMO is a miserable experience. If you've ever played a game that was meant to have social interaction that didn't, you go to run content that can't be run. You go to buy something off the market board that isn't listed. You go to sell something on the market board that never sells. You go to find a group for something and it just isn't there. Uh, and and so it, it really kills a lot of these features. So I do think as far as just spinning up more worlds, as far as just doubling the number of worlds per, per data center or something like that, um, that would be an incredibly risky move if you didn't believe you could hold this pace. 100%. I see uh, Chad also talking about how the one of the reasons is that Microsoft doesn't really have a presence in Japan. And while that has been true historically, they are right now gaining a lot of ground with Game Pass and xCloud because of the mobile, the lightweight, the uh, Xbox Series S is actually uh, incredibly popular over in Japan. So Microsoft, you know, obviously I would say they need to do a lot more work when it comes to that area. But what we're not we're not talking about that we're not talking about a console uh, port of Final Fantasy 14. That's not I would not expect that announcement uh, this year, uh, maybe even next year. But no, what we're talking about is out. behind the scenes, right? Microsoft outside of that has part Microsoft has partnered with Final Fantasy 14 before to promote Final Fantasy on Windows. Like they have a relationship, and uh, when it comes down to it. We Microsoft's see. the back end of a lot of things. That's yeah. one of the reasons uh, when we saw, oh, what company was it that the governments were all talking about nationalizing and they were trying to sell it off. Uh, and Microsoft was one of the bidders. And one of the concerns was, well, Microsoft has relationships with the Chinese government, right? Microsoft has relationships with, you know, Russia, like these various governments around the world. Microsoft is an enormous company. Uh, so when you talk about partnering with Microsoft, that doesn't mean Xbox. That doesn't mean Phil Spencer. Uh, when you right. talk about using web services, when you talk about kind of using server space and things like that, when you talk about companies that have names like Rackable that the, the general population doesn't know, uh, and you talk about services like Azure and AWS and all this, and you get into this terminology, um, there's a backbone to the internet that yes, does include names like Facebook, but not in a traditional sense. Like Facebook owns part of the transatlantic lines uh, that connects the US to Europe, actual literal lines that run underneath the ocean. And so like when you talk about this infrastructure while some of the names are names you represent for their more household products, um, a relationship with Microsoft on a server end would be very different than like what Sony's relationship with Square yeah. Enix is. But there is a uh, there is a business level, you know, development you. Uh, in that regards to sit down and say, well, we'll, you know, we'll happily give you this uh, incredible deal at an incredible price if we consider this 
other deal in the future. So business is business. Now I'm going to put up on screen a thing talking about the new stream deck just because I want to come back to that here in a minute. I don't want to derail us just yet. So guys, if you're watching this on uh, work to game on in our uh, kind of our highlights of the podcast itself, be sure to look forward to this discussion when we talk about the new stream deck here in a minute. But uh, like, favorite, subscribe, share, and don't forget to clip. Send us your clips of the uh, of the podcast and videos that you guys like the most. I'm very curious to see how that goes, and we'll try to be. I'm gonna try to turn those into, into shorts. But Chris, let's go ahead and continue on with this post because I want to also get into that kind of that first top comment. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just having you scroll down. <laughs> oh okay, I forgot I was driving. Yeah, sorry. Was like, you you do you. I, I t- yeah I know. We it's don't like, do this. What is We're doing this, this live? Uh, <laughs> usually I don't host this. I'm just here for the ride. I'm just here. I'm just having fun, man. Uh, so it says, I think it's important to note that they not only have the new uh, uh, new Steam records have been set, but they've also absolutely been smashed. Prior to this, the peak was actually forty one thousand players at the release of Shadowbringers. They hit fifty eight thousand players on Sunday with the last patch being 5.55 at 1.5 months ago and N Walker doesn't come out for four months. I honestly think this isn't a perfect time or I honestly think this is the perfect time for a lot of new folks to get into the game. A hundred percent agreed. If they're going to play through the 2.0 in four months, it's an appropriate time frame to do so fairly casually. If we refrain or retain a decent fraction of these new players, who've picked up the game up recently at 6.0 launch. We, it's going to be packed. I don't know why uh, or how that plays out, but maybe it's promising that we're going to hit such a new peak and this past weekend without any server explosion, exploding to my knowledge. The game is stable. The game is amazing. And people have a huge chunk of amazing game to play in mm-hmm. a sea of drought, in a sea of cyberpunk failing, in a sea of you know, this next big game disappointment. And then they step into this and they're like, I've been hesitant to play Final Fantasy 14 this whole time. But now I've gotten over that, that, that wall, that hurdle. There are still people on the other side of that wall and we're going to welcome you guys in. Come on over. It's safe. There's not going to be too many cat girls like messing with you. I saw somebody post a comment talking about cat girls. I was like, I wouldn't worry about it. Just use that doge can, uh, <laughs> just to watch out for that doge can. You know, I don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, Five fifty-eight thousand on Steam. That's not PlayStation numbers. That's not your standard PC numbers. Probably the least recommended platform. Not as a dig on Steam, but just compared to the other three, I think it's the one that I hear the least about. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine those numbers are anything but larger on the other three. Um, yeah, because like PlayStation has just invited it to people that want an MMO on consoles. Like the PlayStation's mm-hmm. just invited in tons of people, and this game has incredible controller support. Um, Buying it direct from the website keeps you out of Steam. So there's your Microsoft. And then Mac players are like, well, what are you going to do? Um, I'm just excited this game runs on Mac. So I, I think the the appropriate time frame is something where we're like, now is the appropriate time frame. And uh, we've been saying that since 5.5. And yeah. then we said it again in 5.55. Uh, there will come a time where we're like, I, I want to tell you now, but I really mean before. Like, like it's, it's <laughs> like... The amount of time is compressing and the amount of content you have to get through is not the exciting. The reason this is such an exciting time to get into the game is not because it's popular. It's not because people are playing it. It is because you have an exciting expansion going into an exciting expansion content wise that has been delivering consistent content when the genre has not been necessarily capable of keeping up with that. Uh, You've got enormous backlog of content. You've got a massive free trial to get into it and narratively 
This is the finale in 6.0. While the game is not ending, the finale is happening in November. The full finale releases in November. And 6.1 will begin a new story where the game continues from there. And so you are getting the opportunity to be told that you have this like Super Bowl style event, that you have mm -hmm. this final season of a TV show. It's the final season of Breaking Bad. And you know that now. And so you have four months to say, I'd been meaning to watch that show. And you have four months to sit down, strap in and <laughs> binge all of it. Yeah. And even though you could have been here for the last many years, you will literally be on equal footing with everybody who was. You can catch up. You can be here with us just as invested, just as excited, totally right there with us. And you didn't have to take the risk over the last several years of what if this doesn't build towards something awesome? You you have the advantage of hindsight. Uh, so it's an incredible time for new players to come in. They've made it an incredible value proposition at a time when the market is, while we have many MMOs coming online and we have a ton of excitement going into 2022 and 2023 in the space, 2020 was really hard on a lot of industries and MMOs were no exception. And so 14 being effectively like almost boringly normal actually <laughs> kind of makes them like best in class. Like, what did you guys do? A little bit less than usual. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it is telling, though, but it's like this perfect, uh, you know, storm uh, where, you know, I would uh, is 14 lucky. No, they're they're prepared. They're prepared. They've been doing this. They've been, you know, they've been ready. They've had, they've made an incredible game that people love to share and talk about to the point where when these other situations align, 14 Surge isn't just driven off the fact that, that Asmund's playing it. It's not driven off the fact no. that there's a massive dissatisfaction with WoW. And then, and then the fact is that some players are still obviously enjoying WoW, which is a great thing. It's not driven off of any one factor it's driven off of fundamental good game design great communication a community that loves the game and players that are coming into the game and experiencing it for the first time and then then becoming evangelists to the game itself we're going to start seeing here if we if we haven't already uh, i haven't seen any videos yet but i'm, gonna, I'm i'm just waiting i'm there's two two numbers that i'm looking uh to see one is that 58k going to go up and, uh, you know, is, is that the ceiling? Is that the new ceiling? I doubt it. Uh, so I'm excited to see if anything happens big this weekend uh, and to see what kind of this growth pattern looks like. And when, when when's it going to be, you know, like, wow, that was like that was the apex. And then two, when are we going to start to see the hate uh, negative videos that are going to capture attention blowing out on on YouTube? Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's like I'm just wait. I'm just waiting for the like those two events to kind of occur. Like, what's the, the highest number? And then because of the surge, like with anything, you always kind of have the anti, you know, surge in, uh, in, in, in certain aspects. And so those are the two Which things. 14 I'm is really good at 14 <laughs> because it's so narrative based. There is a substantial portion of the population that literally plays the 0.0 patch. And then historically, we build up to the expansion with 0.4.5. Yeah. This one's working a little different because it's a finale. Um, and so historically, what would happen is people would play 0.0 to 0.1. Right. As 0.1 drops, they'd peace out. And they'll come back sometime through the 0 0.4, 0 0.5 cycle, blast through everything they missed, hit the expansion, and then bail again. And so they're here a fraction of the two-year cycle. 
where they catch the, the end and the beginning and they just catch what they think are the best parts and they skip all that stuff in the middle because they don't like raid progression. They don't, you know, the story comes out too slowly for them. They don't like all the side content in the game. They really just want this to be a narrative experience and they can do that and they can experience all the raid content or all the dungeon content once during that 0.4.5, one time, one clear of everything. We're good. And then they can go into the content. So there will be a fall off after Endwalker. And that doesn't mean Endwalker did bad. That already existed. That's already a pattern in the space. Well, and even still, like as, as the fallout goes with the, with those players who play through the story and then say, great, I'll see you next expansion. I'm curious to see what ultimately happens with this one because 6.0 ends the story and 6.1 begins anew. And with 6.1 as a player, like I'm, I'm only like projecting my perspective here is that if I was taking a break, at, oh, I finished the story. Okay. But now my, my, the next question goes, what's next? And depending on how the story concludes, like, I think that, who knows, maybe we actually will retain more players at least through six, one this time around, depending on to see how that plays out. Uh, and still, I think essentially what we've, what we see is that the rising tide that even, yeah, we, okay. There's a natural drop drop. There's a natural drop in every game. You know, every service game has, you have your build up and then it's like, okay, it kind of settles into its thing. And then it slowly kind of ramps itself back up, excitement, et cetera. Um, all somewhat, you know, it's kind of, you know, graphical <laughs> for like a better term. Go ahead. No, I, I think, you know, we've got some big things coming. We've got some big events going on in game. Uh, this will be a lot of people's first time to see a media tour coverage. This yes. will be people's first time to experience a job action trailer. Um, this will be the first time, you know, many people are catching their first live letters. Um, you know, I put out the uh, summary of the Q&A from the 14-hour broadcast over on Gaming Kinda. It was 43 questions. Massive. And so, you know, I, I was asked regularly while I was streaming me putting together that video, where do I get the link to this? Where do, what, what, where do I get all this information? And I think a lot of that comes from not being aware of like, this isn't the last one of these. Uh, they roll out the same way every time they're translated from Japanese. And so there's, there's these processes where we're bringing a lot of people in. And so I have two questions around that. Like, first of all, like, <clears throat> how are people going to feel as they kind of get brought into the norms of the space, the things mm -hmm. that you and I have come to expect where when you, you know, when I tell my wife that we have a, a live letter coming up, I don't have to explain it anymore. Right. Like she knows. Oh, all right. so he's going to pull some weird hours in the next week. He's going to talk about 14 way too much. And I'm going to hear him talking in his office too loudly. Uh, and then immediately after the live letter, there's going to be some long work days where he's recording summaries or things like that. Uh, and so she just knows that's, that's the trend. Um, but also how do we retain, how do we like, how many of these people really stick around? You can, you can incentivize somebody to try, you can give them a free trial. You can pay a wow streamer to take the risk. You can, you know, invite in communities. You can invite people to return with free returner campaigns. You can do discounted copies of the game, but ultimately at some point business has to go back to business as usual. And so when we're sitting in 6.1, 6.2, 6.3, and we're going through these typical runs and we're getting our two yeah. live letters, then a patch, two tomes and a raid, and we're just moving on through standard content. Um, how many people are here for that? How many people, and there's nothing wrong if you're not, like if you just wanted to be, if you just watch the Super Bowl and you don't watch professional sports, if you just watch, you know, oh, I only watch things when it goes to game seven. Fair enough. That's fair enough. There's people that only buy the lottery ticket when it's over a ridiculous number. Fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. There is something fun about being in those, those key moments where the moment is part of it. But how many people underneath are we really 
converting? How many people are going, no, I'm here to stay. I'd like to, I'd like to set up shop here in 14 and stick around for the long haul. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I I'm just excited as the community grows and welcomes the new players and, uh, finding people who find this as their new home MMORPG, their new, uh, you know, community in which that it, it's not really about progression. It's about, you know, playing with friends, having fun, um, being silly in town and, uh, you know, apparently trying to create, you know, create some serious lag in one of the three starting cities because they're just being overrun. Uh, so at the end of the day, like this is something that is both historic. It's, it's wonderful to see. And, uh, and, and questions of as long, I mean, if the servers are up and they're stable, like, honestly, like, let's keep going. Like if we want to add a million new players a month to this game, let's go. I think, you know, at that rate, like, you know, the OCP had a big goal of 30 million. I think when this year started out and who knew that he would have hit it by the end of the year, we had a, we had a goal of uh, like, you know, hitting 10 K uh, followers on, on Twitch, uh, you know, by the end similar of this year, numbers. similar same numbers, scale. same scale. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and we, like what, we just crossed over 14,000 uh, follow followers over on Twitch. So thank you to all who uh, hit that button. And now we're setting our next goal at a hundred thousand here on YouTube. So it's, it's exciting. Like growth is, is exciting. It's fun to be a part of. And I'm just glad to see so many people really enjoying it. And, and it's great. I can't, I cannot, I cannot say that enough. And so we'll, we'll just keep covering the game like we always have and, and go from there. But now I want to kind of shift focus into some news that broke yesterday. It's kind of hardware news, but I, like the question that the community brought up is, will the Steam Deck, a Switch-like power, you know, high power PC NVMe uh, device uh, run Final Fantasy 14? And so I want to get Chris's thoughts on this because we've always kind of like I, I've we've advocated that Final Fantasy 14 should come to the Nintendo Switch. Um, but now in this case, like this is a, a device that has the power, you know, like has the processor. It's got the speed. So what do you think, Chris? So when asked this question, uh, not to the Steam Deck specifically, but to any platform, um, anytime it comes up, the CEO of Square Enix and Yoshi P have made it incredibly clear publicly we want to be as many places gamers are as possible. Uh, when you ask for more detail, the reason they are not uh, is because there is time and resources that goes into that. It takes a long time and uh, they support a lot of versions of this game and they, they spend a lot of effort trying to keep consistent content up. And so they have to make sure that the desire to bring on a new platform where they don't have players is not going to detract from their ability to deliver to the existing base. And so it is a question of how well set up, set up is it to just receive how it runs on Steam? Like if, if there's no work there or if Steam says, hey, we're, we're looking to set up a team to help with integrations, we're yeah. looking to pay for part of that. Uh, when I worked in the medical space, there was this give and take um, when we would have integrations with medical systems on whose who's staff is handling the troubleshooting, whose staff is handling the integrations, whose staff is setting everything up, who's paying if there's a third-party vendor making the go-between because with personal health data, it gets really touchy really fast. And so like who's paying for it and who's spending the time on it? Uh, and so if we're able to provide staff members to oversee it or if we're able to say, hey, this is going to cost $50,000, we would love to pay 30000 of it. Or we can provide this other service that saves you 30000 somewhere else. Yeah. Um, those sorts of conversations are not public for very good reason. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the drawback. So if it's not, that would be why. But if it's an easy conversion, I, I don't see why not. 
So let's, uh, uh, I'm going to help define some technical reasons why it's not native on, uh, on Steam Deck uh, okay. or any kind of Steam device. Uh, Steam runs Steam OS, which is a Linux uh, build. And right now, Final Fantasy XIV does not support a Linux build. It can run on Linux via Wine uh, and things like that. But as far as it goes, uh, you can also run Windows on the Steam Deck. You can install Windows and you can install any game that runs on Windows on a Windows machine. So the Mac version's still wine based, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Anytime I'm having an issue with the Mac version, that's likely because it's a wine wrapper. Right. So, uh, in in case of Yoshi P and his team, will they support Linux? Well, the answer could be possibly. Uh, I wouldn't expect that before Endwalker. Uh, I would expect that uh, it probably is going to be on the roadmap for more and more people. And here's why: uh, Final Fantasy Eleven, uh, not Final Fantasy Eleven. Dadgum, all these numbers. Windows 11 uh, is having more and more closer to a kind of a, lim a Linux kernel than ever before. So there is a lot of power in Linux. Uh, you use a Linux device every day if you're listening to this. Uh, Linux is using uh, is being used to power a lot of cloud. When I was uh, like looking at, you know, always debating, like, should I continue to stay independent? Should I go, et cetera? You know, as I had my resume and they're like, and getting a lot of questions of how much Linux do I know? It's like, okay. I need to I need to be you know working more and more in, in Linux, uh you know Stadia it's backbone Linux and so essentially like if they were ever to do that like you could see that point like if Final Fantasy fourteen comes to, to to Stadia like then the question is why is it not naturally on Steam OS because it's you know it's Linux like obviously probably maybe a little bit of work there but maybe not so much that it you know that it's going to be like you know hey you're gonna write a, a native Mac client uh same same concept with Xbox but the specs alone so does, are interesting. Go ahead. So does that make the Steam Deck a beneficiary of a move to cloud? Very so much if so. they move to cloud, what happens is you don't announce Steam Deck. You say, here's all of our new places. Everything. Like, like, and so if you roll out a Linux client, does that not? So at that point, that kind of actually makes the Microsoft move something. If there's if there's time and energy spent there, depending on if the I mean, obviously, they're not going to be equal because Microsoft is trying very hard to make it easy to jump from PC to Microsoft uh, yeah. to Xbox. But outside of that, like if you if you just got to pull out of a, a genie bottle, you just got to pull one new version. It sounds like the Linux version would knock down a lot more dominoes. Yes. It would knock down a lot more kind of right when they when they've been talking about things like the Oceana data center, when they've been talking about bringing new servers online, when they've been talking about rebuilding old systems in the back end, things like the companion system, uh, working on things like the trust system, doing the stat squish, getting, you know, a lot of these changes that we've been seeing. They've been throwing around terms like these are 10 year choices. These are they've been throwing around terms where, yes, 6.0 is going to be the finale of the story. But hardware wise, game systems wise, we are looking out a decade or more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a thousand percent. Also, uh, when it comes to the Steam Deck itself, uh, it runs, uh, you can run a Chromium based browser uh, on it, meaning you have access to xCloud, you have access to all the games on the xCloud Microsoft, you have all the games access on Stadia. Uh, Steam, in, the, in this case, is not limiting itself to its only store. So even if, just like with Switch, like you can actually run Stadia on Switch, you can run Stadia on your Xbox. Uh, so the question is, is that well, I wonder if one day PlayStation will you know, kind of bend the knee and, and let, you know, xCloud run in its browser because the whole Bethesda thing, you know, if you're like, oh, uh, it's exclusive. It's only exclusive if, if PlayStation decides not to support a uh, Chromium browser on the, on the, on the platform, because that's, that's how you're going to access these systems wherever you are. But yeah, 
Good. The um no the the typical the typical pushback on cloud is um is internet access. And yep. for a game that already relies on, 100% on internet. A, a reliable internet connection, um, I think the percentage of people that have access to the level of internet connection you need is probably much higher than the general population because all the people who just don't have good internet at all, they're already not playing 14. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're already not doing online games as a large portion of their content consumption. So right. if, if a cloud solution has let's say 20% of the population in the United States geographically, mm -hmm. um, not population density, has access to the level of internet you need. When you filter down to MMORPG players, I think that percentage probably likely spikes um, because you've already ruled out. There's already a lot of people that have frustrations with this game. Um, so like we've talked about this before, but MMORPGs seem primed to be the first games to start having part or even all of their their backbones moving to cloud-based solutions where, yeah. where you're saying, Hey, you know, when Limsa has 5,000 people on it, done, we got your it. local machine doesn't right. need to really deal with that. We'll, we'll handle, we'll do the heavy lifting and you just, you just do the pretty stuff at the end. We're that's, all set. That's why I've said we have yet to experience the golden age of the MMORPG. That's why I say that what we used to define as MMO is done in every platform you know, right now, like we're MMO massively multiplayer uh, exists in all kinds of genres, not just the MMORPG, what we play with Final Fantasy. But what you just described is essentially the future that I see in, you know, there, granted, there's still plenty of uh, roadmap, but that's where with Steam Deck itself, I look at that as the perfect cloud local, you know, hybrid, right? Oh, you're not in Wi-Fi? Like download the game. If it's supported locally, you can keep playing. Uh, and then essentially like, oh, if you're, you're home, you're on like Wi-Fi, you got fast internet, you can stream any game that's possible from this handheld device. And that's essentially what I think will be interesting ultimately see. But to that point about the MMORPG and its evolution, you're right. A, uh, you can throw thousands of servers and graphics cards, you know, you, oh, there's 10,000 people, 20,000 people like all in this space and it runs smoothly and it's great. Now, the question is, is that, is it fun? <laughs> Well, yes, fun has to be um, when we talked about the like the Yoshi's uh, slideshow from his uh, development conference panel um, kind of came out. And like one of the things that was on it was like fun. That That's the thing that's hard to add later. Mm -hmm. So that has simply having the hardware doesn't give you a guarantee. But right. the the really cool stuff is that when you start to have this much hardware, when you start to say, OK, it's not 10,000 players running 10,000 individual solo graphics cards. It's 10,000 players sharing a pool of 10,000 graphics cards. Mm -hmm. You get to start tackling things like you hear these terms like negative latency. Mm -hmm. You get to start tackling these terms that are impossible in the way games work now. Negative latency, the theory is we're just going to pre-render the future. Right. We're just going to take a guess. Here's here's the options of where we think players are going to go next. And we'll we'll pre-do calculations around those so that when you send the request, some of the work is already done. We're just grabbing which package you chose and then we're throwing the other ones in the, in the bin. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's concepts here where you get to start to say, OK, in something like Fortnite, where you have 100 people in real time that are all looking at the same bush. Why am I having that? that little plant rendered 10, you know, a hundred times separately as separate mm -hmm. calculations. How do, how do we share some of that? Like, it seems like I'm redoing the same work over and over and over and over. Um, and so there's some really cool stuff that gets way beyond my brain really fast. When you talk about like what really sets Stadia apart, 
to the average user, Stadia right now for many players is just a harder to use GeForce. Like it, it just, they're not getting to see what makes Stadia truly incredible mm-hmm. because there hasn't been a game built to take advantage of it. hundred percent. And that's one of the things that's most exciting about what Square Enix announced two years ago. Like they have games in development that are cloud only. And the question is, is that, and I don't know if the first games that are cloud only are going to blow everybody's mind. Cause that's the problem. Like, no, you won't. know, because like, <laughs> something like the first VR games, like, there'll oh. be Beat Saber and then other games, other like there, games, there will yeah. be one good cloud game. And then it's like a hundred cloud games came out this year. Yeah. But did you play that one? Yeah. Well, it is just the one, isn't it? <laughs> like there, there, one will make it, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see because sometimes that art being constrained by, uh, you know, being constrained by just like physical and, you know, like physics limitations in hardware, uh, processing powers and things like that is something that has made some of the greatest games of all time. You know, we off, we say it here all the time. Gameplay is king when it right. comes to games. You can make the prettiest, you know, piece of art, but if it's, you know, has no good gameplay, then what are we doing? I see Chad also kind of, kind of memeing on, like, I would never play Final Fantasy or an MMO on a handheld device. I was like, well, I guess you don't really craft or gather. Because <laughs> I the- I played a 14 on the Vita, and it's like, I wouldn't do a yeah. dungeon on it, but it was no. nice to kind of go and just kind of craft and gather a little bit here and there. Um, you know, as just a supplementary uh, piece of hardware. Go ahead, Chris. Um, yeah, and so my background is not nearly as technical as Brian's. And so I went to school for design. I'm, I'm the artsy one in my family. And one of the things that we were taught is that design flourishes in constraint. Mm-hmm. That, that it's, it's one of the reasons that, you know, I see Yoshi P as being really good at fixing games. And when people are like, he's going to be really good at making a game from scratch. And, I, and I'm not saying he won't be, but I'm saying temper your expectations because it's a different skill set. He possibly has both. It is possible he is the world's first primal running around him and Soken as the as the two primals in, in the real world. <laughs> it is possible. Yeah. But like it's not it's it's also not it's not impossible that his first one is a learning experience and then his second scratch title is even better. Um, because it's a different skill set. And so operating within constraint, um, is a different way to solve problems and it's a different and it creates a lot of really beautiful solutions and they're beautiful because of the way they deal with problems not because you got to just and so studying architecture they said like you there is no one perfect building that you just design in space and then you could just drop anywhere in the world it has to be respectful of where and when and what it's built for that's what makes it beautiful design um so there's some context there so i I think the problem with cloud storage right now is it seems like it's lifted the constraints and we've got to learn to operate within what the new constraints are. And those new constraints, the new bounds, they're so far out there um, that I just don't know that anybody's really willing to, really ready to test the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that anybody saw this level coming or had the resources to invest in what it would take to take advantage of it. Yeah. And, uh, and so at the core of it, like exactly what you just said, uh, especially even uh, Mysteria, uh, re- kind of following it up, being that they believe uh, 16, Final Fantasy 16 is going to be amazing. I hope so. I Everything that, you know, from uh, lessons learned, like essentially, like, mm-hmm. hey, how do we how do we announce a game that's as big as Final Fantasy 16? Well, maybe let's not announce it 10 years, you know, from when we decide to release it because of all the different issues. Like, they've been working on it. We've known they've been, you know, has been working on something. And, uh, and when it's ready, he's going to show it. And I think that's a dream gonna... team of people. Oh, dude, he's been, I, he's been consolidating some of the most talented people <laughs> around him 
for years. You got you to have two championship rings to get in the door to, to apply for a job there. Like it's, it's a dream. Team. Yeah. Somebody uh, sent out like, uh, like just, you know, one of those pictures where it's like, you know, here's the, because the, they had the dream team that, that built Chrono Trigger. And it's like, I, I said it years ago. I was like, I feel like Yoshi P's assembling the new Square Enix dream team. Yep. As he's starting to bring and work with people, and even you know, even from the lat the latest live letter, where like uh, where man Yoko uh, Toro is like trying to just get Yoshi P to leak sixteen information, it's he's got some of the like just some of the best people around yep. him, and I Could think be incredible. I, I and I want and I want it to be, and at the same time, I'm just gonna sit back and just you know kind of hope just, for the best. I don't want it to do like an anthem or cyberpunk where we've built it up to like, I'm so excited. Final fantasy 16 is going to save my marriage. Like <laughs> don't, don't do that. Like it's still going to be just a game. Uh, say go I really to counseling. I really enjoyed final fantasy games. I'm really looking forward to it. Really talented people. What we've seen so far looks beautiful and exciting and having a mainline numbered M rated title is something that goes back to all these things where when, uh, Yoshi B has asked the sorts of questions like what would you want to be in a game that can't get into 14 because of constraints or because of the way it's designed rating is one of those things that comes up he can they tackle very adult concepts very early on in this game and very regularly but they have to tackle them off screen and so uh, having that M rating is going to allow them to take on some things narratively it's going to allow the combat system to take on some things like among other things there's there's a lot about 16 that's very exciting Tempering my expectations does not mean I don't want it to be amazing. It's just that I don't want people starting to say, yeah, I also wrote hate emails to all my existing game developers and I quit them all and I broke all my discs and I burned my consoles that don't run 16. I'm so excited. This game's going to solve gaming forever because we see that fervency get built up in hype sometimes. And then it comes out and it's like a 9.5 out of 10. And people are like, they robbed me. And it's like, no, that's amazing. Like, yeah. the amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm glad, uh, you know, we haven't uh, seen any, uh, like, like any more footage from 16. Yoshi P, you know, said that they are finishing up or finished up the English voice actor recording, which is really telling in terms of design and development. That means, mm -hmm. like, we know, like, Yoshi P's talked about how difficult voice acting, especially in an MMO is because you just, so many different regions, so many different time zones. Uh, it's a lot of work to get voice acting, and Endwalker is going to have even more than ever before. So then we just track that back to the fact that if that's done, if that's saying, hey, voicing is done, like everything, all these things are done, hopefully we're going to be looking at when when the game's ready. Like, hey guys, here's 16. Oh, and you can play it today. You know, like how nuts would that announcement be? Whether it's uh, 2021 or 20, I would assume 2022 at this point. Just how nuts would that kind of be? Oh, we said we were working on it. You had the logo. We saw you showed you a little gameplay. And then, you know, like, I, I want that. I would love that for a Final Fantasy game in terms of, or if nothing else, you could pre-order it today and it's on sale in a month. Like, it wouldn't shock me if it was targeting next winter. And then, yeah. and then based yeah. on that, it wouldn't shock me if it misses the target and moves it to spring. And the advantage of them revealing so little is that that's not a delay because they didn't yeah. promise anything. And so, like, until they tell us a, d d a date, they can kick that date back internally as many times as they want. Uh, the problem is once you go public with a date, you have to cyberpunk that date. You have to continue to onside kick it 16 weeks at a time, 27 million times until you're ready to actually deliver the product that you originally promised. Uh, and so as long, like, as long as you don't have to reveal anything, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs>
Chat's asking, wonder when the next Final Fantasy MMO will be announced. Chris, you got any thoughts on uh, another Final Fantasy MMORPG? Another Final Fantasy MMORPG. So with Final Fantasy XI Remaster being a project that looks like it's at least on hold or moving internally or moving to, it at least looks like it's changing. Like I know Diablo 4 Immortal, uh, the Diablo Immortal looked like it was moving, it was NetEase and then it looked like it was moving internal. Final Fantasy Remaster, it looked like it was maybe something that they were kind of, they were getting help with and they want to bring internal. They, yeah, they looked Nexion at it and said, was working hey, on the it. scope yeah. of this is actually bigger than we think. So we're going to stop what they're doing and we're going to bring it in house. That's what I'm hoping is happening. Um, I, I would love to see the next Final Fantasy MMO be a bring back of the 11 style. Uh, and so I would love to see that come back. My understanding of 11, having never played 11, is that the current state of retail 11 versus the reason private servers exist are two very different games. Yep. And so I think there's obviously that, obviously the fact that two different versions of a previous Final Fantasy MMO can exist in real time, kind of a retail classic type situation, um, tells me there's enough meat on that bone to build something new. Uh, and that would keep them from trying to develop a new IP. I get really nervous with new IP in the space, and I don't want to see a Guild Wars 1 to 2 or a Destiny 1 to 2 type mentality where you have to overcome this lack of content early on because we jump from 14 has this whole backlog of, oh, I've never done an ultimate. I'm going to go do an ultimate. Wow, I just spent all these weeks progging in content that's old, and then you get into a new, a new MMO, and there, there isn't anything there. When you finish the current serving in New World when it comes out, whether Amazon likes it or not, you wait. there won't yeah. be anything after that because there's no past. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, when they when an update for New World would drop. And uh, so it's going to I mean, there's an excitement to that because we're like, oh, man, is there a New World news today or not? Uh, from everything they've done prior to this, it's pretty epic in terms of like they had a big update once a month for the alpha. But that's a whole different world. They can they can do whatever they want when it's an alpha in production. You have to, so many more things that you, can, you need to consider but they do have the money to throw at it. Now, for, uh, you know, the question to 17, a lot of people, you know, mathematically have been like, well, it went 11, MMO, and then 14 was the next MMO. That would put 17 as the next MMO, and that would put, technically, you would think of 15 years into the Final Fantasy 14 brand. Now, my thought is on this. Yoshi P has said that at some point, the number 14 won't make sense. At some point, the number 14 won't make sense. And he teased, maybe we'll call it 20. I don't know. That's the number he used. That's the number he used. So when you think about that, Yoshi P said we we're going to the moon in 7.0. Maybe he's a little bit teasing a little bit. Uh, what's what's going to be happening? He's cautious. You know, he's going to give himself a little. Uh, I think we can make it to the moon by 7.0. Oh, oh, we got there early. We got, hey, wouldn't you know it? So Space travel was very easy. <laughs> I expected more resistance. So on that note, <laughs> original design uh, before for 14 back in the day kind of had the theory that like the Mog House would be a bridge. So at the you had a Mog House in 11. Everybody had a house in 11. It was just a room, um, but everybody had a house and kind of still salt in the wound there. And uh, and so the, the original kind of idea was that the, the Mog House would be this doorway into 14. So the, the games would be connected. Uh, obviously, play online. You know, it is kind of a thing of the past, but it was kind of what you would think with Battle.net. If 17 is going to be another MMO, I think it is connected into what we've seen already. I think that's where it gives them a new chance to have an engine update, have uh, like, hey, we're going to change these different things. You know, we don't have to live based off of rule X, Y, or Z from the past. We can we can do whatever we want. And if they were to do that, as long as your character is connected 
forward and back. I would love to see a connection with 11 as well. Like if I was playing, let's say, because Chris says it right, like, okay, you're playing and you play 17, it's an MMORPG, and you're like, well, what do I do? Like, there's not a lot of content here because MMOs don't historically launch with an insane amount of content. But it'd be like, if Chris was playing 14, he's like messaging me and I'm getting an in like the new MMO. Hey man, like we're going to go do this. And I just go say, okay, cool. I'm going to teleport to 14. Like I don't have to sit here and log out. I don't have to sit here and do some kind of magic dance. I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z. I can just go join them and play. Then all of a sudden you're looking at just a massive amount of content with an excited base. Hey, we're going to keep doing 14 stuff, but 17 is connected in some way. I don't know. We've got other shards, I guess we assume uh, when, uh, whenever it, what happens, but I, I'm not personally concerned about it. I think at some point though, like if we're going to be like, we have to have an on that honest conversation is that at some point, 2030 will roll around, 2040 will roll around and technology is only getting better. And one, one th thing that I think a lot of people will feel when they step and they play new world, you're going to go, Holy crap. What could Yoshi yeah. P do with this? Right. Like that's imagine, the first thing. Imagine 14 and unreal engine. Yeah. That's It'd the first stunning. thing I said. That's the first thing I said when I chopped down a tree in new world and the tree fell down. And other people see the tree fall down and I'm running down the street and I see somebody chopping down a tree and that tree falls down. It's not like this, you know, I'm just farming up this invisible thing. I go, what could Yoshi P do with this? What could he do with this? Like, how, how do we empower him to do this? And the solution in my mind was we get more people to play 14. <laughs> yeah, no, for as good as for as good as the main story is, uh, the world building in 14 could be much deeper if the world itself was capable of being more deeper and and a lot of the limitations comes on what the game was built on a mm. lot of these limitations comes on how it was built the way we integrate between zones and all that is is how the game was originally designed and current hardware opens a lot of that up you get to tell a different story when the trees chop down and when you have the hardware to explore okay how do those trees come back how do they respawn um do they respawn differently if the pixies in the area have been satisfied, right? When you get to ask these questions, does that start to tell a story about the relationship that the pixies have with nature in that area? Does that start to tell a, a narrative arc in the way you integrate with the world? Wow, I noticed that this area has been changing lately. I noticed that the way we interact with the world has been changing. What does that tell us about the upcoming story notes? Uh, and so there, there are some opportunities there to more subtly tell a story to tell it unspoken to tell it through actions um that 14 simply can't do because mm -hmm. the engine just yeah. isn't there what i would like to see is if we do get another mmo if we do get a a third mmo in the family that seems like the ideal time to me to announce one subscription one sub one sub one that ring. way when that new game launches and it's beautiful and it's amazing and we get in there and we our trees fall down or whatever the metaphorical equivalent is. <laughs> and we realize, yeah, but I don't, I don't need to chop down a hundred thousandth tree and there's not another patch for 10 weeks. Okay. Well, 14 is still releasing one dungeon, one patch, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're still 14 is still moving along or, you know, there's, there's some new seasonal events in 14 or there's a, you know, a reason to come back and so there's the crossover event in 14 something and then oh well in 11 right now this is going on and so something that invites you into saying this is a family of games mm -hmm. and when you're in them you can chat across them you kind of your link shells kind of connect uh and you have this this 
ability. And that's one of the things WoW is really classic is a godsend when you have a drought like Shadowlands. Like it's a godsend. The fact that like their numbers for as much as Shadowlands is hurt and as much as there was drama about TBC Classic, there are a lot of people that can look the other way because right now when you're subscribed to 14, you look the other way. That's not subscribed to 14. But in Classic, you look the, way there, the other way and you're like, Oh, there's another game over here and you <laughs> just go get lost in that uh and that's that's given them a resilience uh that thankfully 14 hasn't needed thankfully we've just had good content but when you talk about launching a new mmo that's that's the sort of business decision to me that would say okay let's build something from scratch but that doesn't mean throw 14 to the wayside that doesn't mean throw it all the way in the bin like either let my character carry over and so it's effectively just a rebuild within a new expansion or let my subscription allow me to jump back and forth. Yeah. More options, more gameplay and all that to wrap up today's podcast and show. Thanks guys so much for being here. Uh, thanks for all the subs. Uh, thanks for all the follows. Uh, thanks to Ke Keelan for the, uh, for the support uh, financially. And uh, to wrap it up kind of on a final note, uh, Pedro says, if Yoshi P gets his hands on the unreal engine, he will become so powerful. Not even God himself could stop him. <laughs> uh guys this has been a lot of fun thanks for tuning in if you guys aren't aware you can also listen to the podcast in mp3 format uh you can check out crystal core radio uh, at pod.podbean.com uh, oh we are everywhere and if you are listening to this please rate the podcast uh you know like honestly give us your best uh feedback if you want to read uh you want to write something as well i was reading those the other day i'm really flattered by all the glowing reviews so i appreciate you guys so much um but yeah we really appreciate the support allowing us to do more of these shows uh, for you guys and thanks for coming in and hanging out we'll be back uh next week with even more content chris will be live uh right now or after the, the filming of this playing some guild wars 2 who knows do may some more reactions and, and whatnot uh it's been it's been quite a summer it's been quite exciting to see just the amount of growth and love but chris you got any final thoughts before we conclude the podcast no uh, i i think it's exciting to have things to talk about currently where the problems are that there's too many people that want to play 14 uh, and to look out at the future and, and be aware of like, this could just be the beginning. Like 14 is not stopping. 14 is not slowing down. I hope other games can have this level of success. I hope new world does well. I hope ashes of creation does well. I hope wow does well. Um, it would be incredible if this space could get to where it was a question of who is innovating and who is doing the best out of a bunch of good games. Um, and, you know, I think 14 is more than capable of, of running their portion of that race. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a 14 player. Absolutely. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show for the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. My name is Brian, and that's Chris. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully you enjoy your weekend. And hopefully you enjoy the time and friends that you get to play awesome video games with. We'll see you next time, and take care. <laughs>